This is episode 51 of Ethics and Culture Cast from the Danicola Center for Ethics and Culture. Welcome to episode 51 of Ethics and Culture Cast from the Danicola Center for Ethics and Culture. I'm Ken Hellenius, the communications specialist at the center. In this episode, we chat with Bill Schmidt, the editor of Telling Stories That Matter, a volume of collected memoirs and essays by Father Marvin O'Connell. We chat about Father O'Connell's long tenure in the Department of History, how he was tapped to write the biography of Father Edward Soren, and how his pastoral ministry as a priest related to his scholarly work in the classroom. Let's sit down with Bill for this delightful conversation. Well, Bill, thank you so much for sitting down with us and chatting about this book. Um, Tell us a little bit about Father Marvin O'Connell. Where was he from? How did he get to Notre Dame? Well, uh, he was a uh, son of the uh, Minnesota area with, uh, uh, I guess, growing up mostly in the St. Paul area, but uh, had traveled a bit with his family uh, early on. Uh, In any event, um, when the time came, he uh, went to preparatory seminary in uh, St. Paul, and uh, there started many years of uh, preparation for the priesthood and uh, showing his uh, scholarly Clout uh, early on, he was uh, granted a scholarship to get a Ph.D. at Notre Dame in um, something like uh, 19, the 1950s. He was born in 1930, by the way. Okay. His, his life spans 1930 to uh, 2016. But so he, he was at Notre Dame uh, getting his Ph.D., studying under uh, Philip Hughes, who was actually the, the author of one of the books that uh, uh, really uh, informed his early love of history, a, a, a history of the church um, while he was in seminary. And then uh, he uh, got his Ph.D. and uh, returned to the arch, what, what is now the Archdiocese of Minneapolis, St. Paul, and uh, taught at the College of St. Thomas, now the University of St. Thomas, for at least a decade or so. And then in 1972, was invited back to teach at Notre Dame. And in fact, for uh, uh, a number of years, was uh, chair of the history department. Um, And then he uh, uh, continued to teach and write an enormous amount of material, uh, a total of 10 books, if you count this new one, Telling Stories That Matter. Um, and uh, he uh, wrote uh, lots of uh, essays for, for journals, etc. And then uh, after retiring from full-time teaching, he kind of became the biographer of Edward Soren, the founder of the of Notre Dame, and certainly one of the key 
players in the uh, 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 Holy Cross congregation, and uh, then um, uh, also began his memoirs, kind of reluctantly, because uh, he was so uh, diligent a historian that he, he knew that uh, relying on personal memories was a dubious activity. Uh, he wanted to uh, make sure that he was extremely factual and unbiased. That was one of the many things that contributed to uh, the fact that he's really thought of now as perhaps the premier or one of the premier Catholic historians of his time. Wonderful. Well, now, as you mentioned, perhaps most people know of Father O'Connell through his massive 800-page biography uh, uh, yes, of Soren, Notre yeah. Dame's founder, Father right. Edward Soren, which was published in 2001. This is after he retired from active teaching. That's correct? right. Well, how is it that a non-Holy Cross priest came to write the biography of the man whom many refer to as the second founder of the Congregation yeah. of Holy Cross? <laughs> well, uh, the answer can be summed up in three words, uh, Father Ted Hesburgh. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> but... Um, the, uh, uh, the, re the, that was the result of, uh, Father Hesburgh knowing of, uh, Father O'Connell's, uh, uh, excellent scholarship and, uh, teaching and, uh, all of that, uh, from 72 onward, and, uh, especially a book that was published in 1988, uh, a, uh, history of, uh, John Ireland, uh, Father Hesburgh liked uh, O'Connell's uh, style, uh, truly a, a, a really remarkable style that that uh, uh, told stories very well, and um, uh, history just could not be boring uh, under his guidance. Father Hesburg liked that. Um, the, the, that's the amazing thing about the Soren book and other works of O'Connell, that they are very in-depth and indeed big tomes sometimes. But uh, people say that they read like novels uh, because they're all about people and all about the times, life and times, the places, the eras, and uh, the complex circumstances. As O'Connell himself said, the stories within stories that really make life interesting. And that's one reason why uh, you know, he, he, he talked about uh, telling stories that matter because they were all about uh, uh, people and their interrelationships and their relationship with God. So Father Hesburgh wanted to capture all of that in uh, a biography of Notre Dame's founder. Wow. Well, it's interesting because their times, actually, uh, uh, Father O'Connell and Father Hesburgh were very contemporaneous, right? Because they right. both came to Notre Dame in the 50s. That's right. Uh, and then were here all the way into the 2000s. That's into right. The, into the 2010s, even. Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah, and uh, the history department was uh, certainly uh, a gem, I think, uh, during that time as as through uh, throughout uh, Notre Dame's uh, times. But uh, uh, there was a real uh, respect there, I believe. Uh, the academic caliber of of O'Connell's work shown through. Yeah. I noticed an interesting tidbit as I was kind of looking into background. Father O'Connell is buried in the Holy Cross Cemetery here. Oh, okay. Campus. I didn't even know that. My gracious. Uh, not surprising because right. uh, 
relationships uh, were not only important to his books, but important to him. And uh, besides uh, Father Ted, I'm sure there were many other priests, including Father uh, Bill Miss Campbell, who was a driving force behind uh, this book. There, there were probably very good relationships with a number of different uh, Holy Cross priests, a lot of uh, mutual admiration. Sure. Well, let's talk a bit about this book, uh, Telling Stories That Matter, Memoirs and Essays. As you mentioned, historian and professor Father Bill Miss Campbell penned the foreword. Right. Uh, and then the DeNicola Center's founding director, when it was the Notre Dame Center for Ethics and Culture, David Solomon, wrote the afterword. Yes. But how did you, Bill Schmidt, come to be involved with this project? Oh, it was really just through uh, my association with uh, those two uh, scholars and uh, many other different projects, uh, some of which brought me in touch with uh, Father Miss Campbell and others uh, which brought me in touch with uh, the Soren book because I was writing about uh, uh, historic matters uh, connected to the Congregation of Holy Cross. So I had uh, some verisimilitude there uh, as, a, as a, a familiar uh, a person familiar with uh, some of the history, but uh, I can't say enough about what a privilege it was to be invited uh, to uh, to be the editor, because uh, talk about relationships, uh, uh, Father Miss Campbell and David Solomon had uh, uh, relationships, a uh, friendship, close friendships, uh, that I think lasted uh, 30 years in the case of Father Miss Campbell, and uh, perhaps more like 60 in the case of uh, David Solomon, so uh, uh, they they wanted to, they had these materials uh, that uh, Father Miss, that Father O'Connell had uh, placed uh, in safekeeping with Father Miss Campbell, uh, the memoirs that were never completed. Um, they only made it up to the seventies in his uh, uh, actual memoirs, although we found a good way to to take care of that. And so uh, I felt like uh, a real uh, entrustment of valuable resources of, of memory and relationship were being, uh, you know, that was in, in my hands to edit. Of course, there was also a, a good amount of uh, wise guidance to not edit too heavily. So uh, because uh, that was one thing that legend told us, Father O'Connell himself did not like. He did not like to be edited. And so uh, one way of respecting the history we were compiling was to respect that wish even on into today. Wow. There's another character who is on the cover but was <laughs> not involved in, in the book except uh, his, his um, memories of Father O'Connell. And that is somebody that I was uh, surprised to learn had been with him even in seminary formation. Yes. Of course, the great father, or father, uh, as, a, as a dad, right. uh, Ralph McInerney. <laughs> That's right. And indeed, uh, uh, in a sense, uh, an almost father, uh, because um, uh, they, they did indeed meet in seminary. Uh, uh, Ralph McInerney discerned a, a, a different vocation. Uh, but in a lot of ways, they were uh, natural friends and probably even surpassing the tenure of friendship that uh, O'Connell had with uh, David Solomon. Uh, and uh, uh, also, very, uh, very interesting 
similarities in terms of loving both fiction and nonfiction. Uh, of course, uh, McInerney was a great philosopher, uh, but he, he was also known for writing detective novels and things like that. So uh, they, they admired each other on, on many levels and, and knew each other and kind of were in uh, uh, sync with, with each other. Uh, so uh, having a, a, a tribute that uh, McInerney wrote uh, some years ago now, but fairly recently, uh, adds a nice additional touch of intimacy to the, uh, the story that we, we tell, kind of extending the uh, memoirs that were directly written into decade upon decade uh, further on. And uh, McInerney lived those years with uh, uh, Father O'Connell before McInerney himself passed away. Right. Are there any particular essays or tidbits from the memoir or, or his essays that you particularly enjoyed and might recommend to the attentive reader? Ah, yes. Yeah, we, we, we collected, well, actually, uh, Father Miss Campbell uh, collected um, a wonderful uh, selection that was uh, a, a good sampling of one of the things that made Father O'Connell such a premier Catholic historian. Uh, uh, namely, uh, having written about uh, everything from the Reformation and Counter-Reformation to the uh, Oxford Movement and John Henry Newman uh, to uh, modernism, etc. Uh, and, uh, uh, of course, a, a number of books on, uh, on, on other subjects and other, other people. Um, but uh, I personally, perhaps because of my uh, journalism background, liked uh, a few. One was uh, his uh, journal article about the Spanish Inquisition. And uh, it, it, it immediately made me think of the uh, problem with disinformation that exists today, because uh, this very renowned historian uh, had the factual and contextual ammunition to really uh, uh, you know, knocked down uh, what was clearly, uh, you know, a long history of uh, misinformation or misunderstanding about the Inquisition, uh, where so many people had uh, hyperbolized about it. And so by reading that, not only did I see his strong determination to stick to the facts, and to be a kind of uh, guardian of facts against uh, uh, misinformation. But one also learned, and this was the case with the Soren book and, and every other book, one learns uh, uh, about the context of the times. And, uh, you know, for instance, uh, just, uh, you know, just the thought, and I, I guess I knew this and that we all know this, but it, it became so clear when he said that uh, that distinction that we take for granted now between the church and state simply was, was not a thing sure. uh, back then. And so to be, to be judging uh, or to be uh, analyzing that situation uh, in, in such uh, terms and, uh, you know, targeting uh, the church as a particular uh, villain in these matters, uh, that was just historically uh, misinformed. So I loved, I loved that one. 
uh, I think uh, the uh, modernism uh, essay uh, that he wrote, which was um, uh, certainly um, uh, referencing uh, a, a major book that he wrote on that subject, uh, the modernism uh, was a wonderful uh, analysis of, uh, of an important trend in the church, as he analyzed it, and in society today, as I guess we're all quite aware, uh, that move toward uh, subjective uh, thinking and ultimately uh, a greater tendency toward relativism. And he was seeing that in the church and in the society uh, from very early on, uh, uh, 60s and, and beyond, and uh, to uh, this uh, very rigorous historian who really did care about getting the, the, not just the facts of a, of a person or event right, but the facts of the whole context right, um, uh, the idea of uh, dealing mostly subjectively or mostly through the emotions uh, with any kind of historical analysis was uh, verboten, really, because uh, that, and uh, that subjectivity in modernism, while I get, he was very good at seeing both sides of all issues, in that sense, very, very objective. Uh, but uh, but he came down on, uh, you know, uh, maybe modernism allows for some new personal growth in terms of uh, creativity, et cetera, or new new viewpoints uh, in, in matters of scholarship, especially, and in matters of just learning lessons from the past. Uh, we have to uh, resist uh, that kind of relativism. Having read through his memoirs and essays, both those included in this book, and I assume you also read some others that maybe didn't make the cut, but uh -huh. what do you make of the influence of his priesthood on his scholarship? Mm. I mean, is it important that he was Father Marvin O'Connell? Does that have an effect? Great question. Uh, and uh, yes, and uh, you know, even, even such little signals uh, as, um, you know, not including uh, the... Uh, the rubric of uh, father in in um, in his uh, uh, book uh, uh, covers, etc. As an author, uh, at first suggested to me that maybe you know historian w overrode at least in these instances that I was reading uh, overrode the the priesthood uh, factor, but very very much not so. I, I came to see that uh, being a priest was essential to his love of uh, people's stories. He loved to, uh, he spent a, a fair amount of time uh, at uh, working in parishes, uh, especially in service to the uh, St. Paul uh, area. And uh, also, he really came to see that uh, you couldn't tell the story of uh, people or uh, events without capturing uh, their uh, good and their bad, their uh, sinfulness and their saintliness. He loved he loved to uh, see both sides, to uh, to exercise judgment, but also compassion. And I saw that, and I think his his friends uh, uh, saw that that was a very priestly and pastoral instinct that actually added. Uh, to the objectivity, balance, and compelling nature of the histories that, that he wrote. 
uh, and he he called um, he called uh, uh, the historian's craft uh, being a midwife uh, uh, to a faith because uh, he really knew in his heart that Christianity and Catholicism is a historical religion based on the fact of Jesus Christ uh, living on this earth and uh, living uh, and, and present in sa the sacramental life and in people's lives uh, throughout uh, time. This was a very concrete thing to him that he had experienced and that uh, you know had to be told. And that again was something that made these stories stories that matter to him. Incarnational. Exactly. The incarnational imagination, Catholic imagination, was very much uh, alive in his books and uh, articles and in his memoirs. Wow. Yeah. I know from reading the memoirs, you know, just kind of dipping in, it's a gripping story. And, yeah. and he tells it very vividly. Yes, he does. Yes. That's why people said that uh, his style was... Uh, novel-like, mm -hmm. and indeed, um, in one of the uh, essays that we have in there, he talks about how uh, his love of history was born reading, as a child, uh, historical fiction, not historical nonfiction. Sure. And he was an only child who kind of was, you know, uh, his family was traveling uh, early on and all, and uh, he spent a lot of time in the library and gravitated toward books, including George Washington's World, and very interesting that uh, he one of the things he loved about that book was that it talked about not only the uh, you know the uh, the valor and the uh, mystique of uh, the uh, founding father, but also uh, George Washington's relationships with people around the world and other countries' relationships with the the uh, early uh, you know United States. So uh, he. Uh, he uh, he really captured that in uh, in all of his uh, books later on, and uh, 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 loved uh, other novelists and other playwrights, and uh, and of course uh, Ralph McInerney uh, right. encouraged his his longtime friend uh, to be a writer of uh, fiction as well as nonfiction. Well, what are some overall lessons, or we might say stories that matter, <laughs> uh, that the reader might take from reading this book? Well, uh, I, I think that there is a uh, great insight into church history that can be uh, gotten uh, partly from from the memoirs that he, he wrote directly and, and certainly uh, in, the, uh, in, in the essays, both the the broad sweep of church history, because indeed he was writing about uh, centuries worth of church history, but also the way that uh, one can get a feel for what it was like to be a priest uh, in a very much changing Catholic church during the uh, uh, times that bracketed uh, Vatican II mm -hmm. uh, from the 50s right, right onward. And uh, uh, he uh, uh, he went through it all, and and uh, you know it talks about uh, frustrations. He's very candid about how he was pained by seeing so many uh, uh, priests 
uh, including many that uh, that he had known in seminary, et cetera, uh, leaving the church uh, after Vatican II. So there's there's a lot of uh, a poignant uh, candor there that tells you about uh, about the church. And for me, while uh, uh, Father O'Connell uh, can best be uh, thought of as a as a, a, a stalwart guardian against uh, the um, incorporation of the present uh, uh, into the past or the incorporation of our lens of today looking at, at the past. Um, I, I, I do think that uh, uh, reading, reading about his days can inform us uh, with some concrete lessons, factual lessons, not subjective uh, lessons uh, about uh, about the church, um, uh, about uh, human uh, life, uh, and how to value history. Because um, so often today we simplify uh, history and uh, maybe just pick up one aspect of a person's life, uh, label that aspect, label that person. Uh, and maybe you do away with the statue of that person as a result. Mm-hmm. But, but there are so many uh, ways in which uh, we can learn to value uh, people as whole lives, uh, in which lives in which uh, the Lord is acting, uh, you know, uh, and uh, uh, none of that and none of the context through which the Lord acts uh, you know the, the the times that uh, that the person lived in, the place, um, the circumstances uh, that that person faced. None of that can be safely ignored, and uh, that's uh, in our short attention span society today. Uh, we need to remember that uh, we 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 we're not really culling the best uh, lessons of uh, history. If we're forgetting that, ignoring that, oversimplifying that. Yeah, wonderful. Well, Bill Schmidt, thank you so much for helping bring this important book to fruition. Oh, well, it was my pleasure. And uh, I do hope that many uh, aspiring historians, uh, students, because he was a teacher at heart too, and loved uh, bringing up students in historiography, etc., uh, uh, it would be an honor to him for uh, historians, young and old, to be informed by and inspired by him once again, and uh, to uh, also a wider audience, uh, because they, a lot of people who aren't historians are interested certainly in church history and in the history of those uh, that half century uh, during which he lived. And we have a lot to learn from him. I had a lot to learn from him. And uh, I'm, I'm coming away inspired, so I, I do hope that many other people, I'm sure a lot of people will be uh, coming away from the book inspired. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Bill Schmidt. You'll find a link to the book, Telling Stories That Matter, as well as other projects of Bill's, in the show notes. Subscribe to Ethics and Culture Cast so that you can always get the latest episodes by visiting ethicscenter.nd.edu slash podcast. 
we would love your feedback. Please review the show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts, and email your suggestions to cecpodcast at nd.edu. Our theme music is, I don't know, by Grapes, licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution License. We'll see you next time on Ethics and Culture Cast. Until then, make good decisions. <laughs>